Hello and welcome to the Controller Talk podcast presented by Danfoss North America. Our goal is to bring you information about using Danfoss controls in the supermarket and warehouse industry, specifically in the U.S. and Canada. We're doing these twice a month for now. You can catch these podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or as the saying goes, wherever you get your podcast. And it's also available through the Danfoss RefTools app where you have the popular refrigerant slider, magnetic tool, and other gadgets. For the video version, check us out on the Danfoss North America YouTube page. Search for Controller Talk to see our video library. I'm Dave Yoder, along with Chris Brown. Hey, Chris, we've made it to episode five. So you owe me 20 bucks. A deal is a deal. A deal is a deal. Let's That's keep right. doing this, huh? Never thought it would happen. How about that? <laughs> well, this might be a good time to put in a shameless plug for Danfoss controller training. If you have a need for formalized training, you can email our training manager, Ernie Lynch at training.foodretail at danfoss.com. He can negotiate training in Baltimore or at your location. I think he's offering a slight discount for training in Honolulu, but I could be wrong. I heard he needs some assistance out there too, so I'll have to bite the bullet. Pack your bags. Yeah. Um, yeah, and while we're talking shameless plugs, I uh, mentioned it in the, the last episode, but don't forget that Dan Foss is going to be hosting a virtual series around sustainable cooling. Uh, it's called Rethink Live starting next month in June. Um, so we'll have some more uh, info on the, the description on the episode here. But yeah, look out for that next month. Okay. All right. Something new. Yeah. Hey, Chris, there's a, a little Dan Foss controller out there that people run across at times. Some people see lots of them, others only once in a while. It's a controller for a single evaporator, but it can do a lot. Over the years, the AKCC 210, or as we'll call it today, the 210, has evolved from the EKC 201 and 202. Some remember the 202 came in four versions, starting with the EKC 202A, 202B, C, and D. The 202A has two relays, the 202B has three relays, and the 202C and D has four relays. Uh, there's a lot of these still in service. They have a red display and three buttons over on the right side. These are mainly used for controlling a single evaporator by using one, two, or three sensors to control a compressor or a liquid line solenoid valve, but they can do quite a bit more than that. They can also be used at the case to show the discharge air temp and control a glycol valve. I've seen a number of these used in vaccine coolers in public health facilities. Yeah, these get out there a little more than some of our others as far as industries, applications. You don't just see them in supermarkets. Right. Yep. Um, so, I, yeah, looking at the design of the controller, uh, the, the sensors, the outputs, it's not a whole lot different in the naming conventions and the numbering scheme that it uses compared to our other models. Um, so you, you have this whole single letter and then number designation for each each terminal. So, uh, S3 sensor, which would typically be where we expect to see a, a sensor in the return airstream of the case. Um, we have that on the 210, not required. It's an optional one you can use. Um, but that'd be there. S4, which is typically our discharge airstream, that's your default sensor that's used for control in the 210. Uh, so you'll see that as, as some of your terminals that you wire to. So again, using that for the, the temperature control itself for the um, solenoid valve, uh, any alarming that might take place that you want on it. And then if it's an option for defrost termination, 
uh, if you wanted to go that route normally on maybe a time off defrost. Right. Uh, S5 we have as well. That's our uh, defrost termination input. So that's another temp sensor that's optional. Nine times out of 10, if you've got an electric defrost on, on the case where you're using the 210, you're going to see this S5 sensor used. We, we don't offer digital termination on the 210. Um, so if you want something other than time termination, you'd have to use this S5 sensor and assumptions you're going to mount it right on the evaporator itself to, uh, to use it. Right. You do have two digital inputs. Again, they can't be used for defrost termination, but we've got, I, I think it might be a dozen or so, maybe 12, 14 different ways you can use the digital inputs. Mm -hmm. um, so two spots for this, DI1 and DI2, they're dry contacts, so we don't want any voltage on them. Um, we could use it as kind of a, a on-off switch for the 210 to, to turn the regulation on and off for the valve. Um, if we have a door switch on a walk-in, uh, if we want to start a defrost from this, if we're using it for some type of dual temp purpose, um, you, you, you see in the manual <clears throat> all your different options. Um, but yeah, you're looking somewhere between a dozen to 14 different ways you can use digital inputs for this one. On the relay side, on, on the outputs of it, uh, you've got four relays. Um, default out of the box, you've got one relay that's used for your solenoid or compressor for refrigeration control. Uh, you get your defrost relay, uh, you get a relay for your evaporator fans if we're controlling those, and then you get a fourth relay that, that is probably the one you see the most differentiation in. Defaults as an alarm relay, but you'll see different ways you can use that as well with the applications that the 210 offers. Um, case lights, anti-sweats, those are some of the other ways you could see that fourth relay used. Uh, we do some unique applications that, that the 210 can support. So hot gas defrost, it can do some things with staging two compressors for cooling. Um, so you, you get some flexibility out of what all the 210 can support as well. Right. And then it is primarily centered around the supermarket. So we want to tie back into the system manager, right? So it does support communication um, back into the, the system managers that we offer. So uh, two different communication types. There's an Echelon RS-485 card that you can install in it. Uh, this does not come default, so you'd have to buy the card on top of the controller itself. Right. But Echelon's one option, and then Modbus 485 is the other one. So both could be used to support communication to our system manager. The Modbus card is one that we also see used with some third-party equipment where they want to extract data through our Modbus registers. Um, so, yeah, you'll see the Modbus used sometimes with or without our system managers. Uh, you can get a remote display in it. Uh, I mean, we see times where the 210s mounted inside of an electrical enclosure with <clears throat> the other equipment. Uh, maybe it's on top of a reach-in, right? Yeah. Where nobody's going to be able to see it, just kind of walking by that that aisle in right. the store. So you see some OEMs that might cut a remote display into the front of the case and then have the 210 wire to that remote display to report temperature and so that they can see if it's in defrost and get an idea of what's going on right. uh, that way. Um, and then you, you look just the voltage side, and this is something you want to pay attention to. You can't just kind of call up and say, hey, give me a 210, right? True. We yeah. got two different voltages, um, 120 or, or 230 we're looking at for our voltage types. And I think back to your point on this being an evolution from the EKCs, something else that people want to pay attention to is the fact that the some of the EKCs used to be um, secondary voltages, 12 and 24 volts. Right. So just if you're 
replacing an EKC with a 210. Um, really pay attention to, to what voltage you need and if the two or if, if the uh, EKC rather was uh, secondary voltage, you'll have to kind of backtrace it and see what your primary voltage is there to know which 210 is the right one to select and, and so that you know you're getting rid of your power supply when you get rid of the EKC as well. Right, because we have a part number for each voltage that we offer there, either 120 or 208, 230. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Chris, uh, many of the calls we get on these are from guys who have them pre-installed from the OEM. They have them all powered up. The compressor in the case is not running. And they see these three icons on the left side that are all blinking. That's right. So these icons, uh, out of those three, you have a snowflake. That's for the refrigeration relay. You have a melting snowflake for the defrost relay. And you have what looks like an X for the fan relay. Right. So if the icon is on solid, that means that the load should be on. And if all three are blinking, there's an alarm in the controller. Uh, like other Danfoss controllers for a single evaporator, you'll find the alarm code by touching the top button once. Alarm codes that start with the letter A or E. Uh, a is for alarm, E is for a sensor or clock error. If there's no alarm in the controller, you'll get a status code on the screen when you touch that top button the first time. Uh, status codes start with the letter S. Yep. Status codes tell you what's going on in the controller, like refridge on, refridge satisfied, defrost, runoff, fan delay, or door open, those kind of things. If you hold the top button longer, you'll enter the parameter list. So you can think of it as a list of all the settings in the controller. So when you hold that top button for five seconds, you start at the top of the list. Uh, if you hit the bottom button to work down through the list, you can get through them that way, or you can use the top button and actually start at the bottom of that list. Yeah. So all of the codes and parameters can be found in the manual of the 210 or on the Danfoss app for your phone called Cool Code, where cool is spelled with a K. There is one important parameter that's not in the parameter list, and it's easier to get to than all the others. When you see the case temp on the screen, you can adjust the case's cutout temp by pressing the middle button, then moving the setting up with the top button or down with the bottom button, then hit the middle button to save it. This temperature adjustment can be restricted by setting two parameters in the controller, just so no one plays with it more than you really want. We get calls from guys that are unfamiliar with these controllers and find the 210 an alarm, and the alarm frequently happens to be A45, which means the main switch is off. Yeah. So lots of Danfoss controllers have this parameter called a main switch that turns the control function on and off, kind of like putting a stick shift car into neutral or into gear. If the main switch is off, you can expect the controller to show this alarm, and all the loads will be off at that point. Yeah. I think the other one that I see some calls on from time to time is right after a guy's replaced the, whether it's a, another 210 or an EKC with a, a new one and they're getting alarms right away because the, the temperature is not reading. Um, so for whatever rhyme or reason, the old one, they might have installed the sensor on the S3 input and this is opposed to the S4. Yep. And I think one of the good things for, for guys to keep in mind there is you can control off of S3 or S4, but you've got to make sure that there there's three parameters that 
tell the controller which one of those two inputs to look at for control, alarming, display. So, um, yeah, R15, A36, and O17 for the guys taking notes at home. All right. Uh, if you've installed a new 210 and it's not reading your temperature right away for some reason, um, those are the three parameters that you'll want to check. And, and the way these parameters work is it's a 0 to 100% scale because you can mix and match the two readings. Um, so 0% represents using just the S3 sensor. 100% represents just using the S4 sensor. So you want to make sure that that's set to match how you have it wired. Fair point. Yep. Um, so as far as the programming goes, though, I, I mean, it, it's yeah nothing too complicated. You got to know what settings you, you want to pay attention to and, and what parameters are associated with those um, settings that you're, you're interested in as far as defrosting, set point, and whatnot. Uh, so if you go into the parameter you want, so, so for example, R05, like you said, for, for units of measure, Celsius or Fahrenheit. So you'll scroll down to that parameter, press your middle button on the 210 to see what the setting is currently set to. And then you can use your top and bottom buttons to, to move up and down to the set point you want. And then you just press the middle button again to save it. So nothing too complicated there. It's not a, a keyboard on a PC necessarily, but yeah, right. it, once you get familiar with it a few times, it, it makes sense. Um, at that point, it, it's are you setting one parameter and just making one little tweak, or are we going through the whole thing kind of after a re replacement or installation? And and what do you need to do there? Because if it's just setting that one parameter, then you just stop what you're doing. You don't have to press the display buttons anymore. And after about 10 seconds, it'll go back out to... Um, the, the main case temperature on the display. Otherwise, if you've got a group of settings you need to adjust, then you'll just wanna, after you hit that middle button on the, the parameter you're looking at, you can just press the top and bottom buttons to scroll through all your different parameters and just rinse and repeat using the yep. same same setup there. Right. We try to give you a, a little bit of a, um, yeah, reasonable look at the, the parameters. So we try to group them in in terms of the function that they're supporting. So all the parameters that start with the letter R as you're going through the lists are ones that are centered around refrigeration control, so your thermostat settings or, or kind of temperature control of the case with the R settings. And then as you're scrolling down through it, you'll see some settings that start with an A. These are primarily your alarm settings for when the controller would generate an alarm. Um, you get into to the D settings for defrost, so again, when do we want to start a defrost? When do we want to terminate it? What temperature do we want to terminate it at? Um, all your settings that are a D followed by two letters would fall under that category. And then you have your fan settings that would start with the letter F. So letter kind of tries to give away what function that, that those settings are tied to in the controller. Um, so just some other odds and ends that are kind of coming to mind for me on these. Uh, so a lot of our case controllers are maybe a little different than what the system manager does in terms of a set point. So system manager, you might have your main set point and then you have a differential that's above and below that. On the 210, your set point is actually your cutout. Right. And then you get a R01 parameter that gives you a differential. So that differential added to your cutout would be your cut in. So the, the 210 works off of a cut in, cut out set up with that differential applied. Um, if you're walking by the case or a store manager's walking by the case, you'll see uh, while it's in defrost, it'll display a lowercase d on the, the display so that the store manager doesn't freak out and think his case is running warm. True. Yeah. Um, so that he understands what's going on there. Uh, 
after the defrost has terminated, uh, it'll continue with that, that D on the display for about 15 minutes as it pulls down to temp. Uh, there's a couple things that would stop it prior to the 15 minutes. So if it gets down to set point, if somebody were to turn off the main switch, or if it went into high temp within that 15 minute period, then those are things that'll clear it out. But otherwise, you that's something else we've seen calls on in the past is why is this thing showing a D on it when it's not in defrost anymore? Yeah, right. right. So there, there is that period of time afterwards while it's in pull down where it'll still show you that. So don't freak out about that. Um, it, you can do some manual defrosting right at the 210. So uh, if you want to put it into a manual defrost right there, you just hold the bottom button down for about five seconds. You'll hear the relay click if there's not a lot of noise in the area. Um, and then you'll see your icons update to reflect that right on the display of the 210 as well. So you can do a manual defrost from there, and you can also terminate it manually and just by doing the same thing. Just hold the bottom button in for about five seconds, and uh, you'll get it to, to disable the defrost while it's in the middle of one. Um, we do get calls from time to time on passwords. So the 210 sports passwords but we don't put them in at our factory. So what would happen there if a guy in the field is, is seeing a PS displayed on the um, on the 210 as they're trying to get into the menu, that's typically going to be because an OEM put in a password at their factory for some reason. <clears throat> so you can call us. We can uh, tell you why it's happening, but at the end of the day, you got to get a hold of the OEM, right? Right. To, to figure out what the password is. Right. Um, so the, those are a lot of the things kind of centered around the setup. The, the dimensions on it, it, it fits into a 29 by 71 millimeter opening, um, has an IP65 front on it. So, yeah, we're not putting this thing outdoors typically. So those are all things that fit fit within the, the atmosphere of where these things are going to be applied. Um, and then there's, there's no battery in it is the other thing maybe to keep in mind. So as soon as you're adjusting these settings, they're saved right into the, the 210. Um, if you have a clock time set in it, then uh, the the set it'll hold that clock time for up to about four hours without power. So if you get a quick blip in the store, um, you don't have to be concerned that all your two tens are going to lose their settings. They'll they'll retain that through the I think it's a super capacitor that's inside of there doing right. that. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of the nuts and bolts of the two ten. Okay. Yeah, that pretty much covers uh, what I think most people would need to know if they're running into these, uh, especially for the first time. Yep. So, but if you have any questions on the AKCC 210, email us at controllertalknorthamerica at danfoss.com. So, Chris, uh, we've made it to the part of the podcast where I like to throw a question at you to test your knowledge. <laughs> and uh, as customary, um, could you testify based on the statutes and laws of the state of Maryland that I have not shared the question nor the answer with you ahead of time? This is correct. Okay, still good. All right. Well, apparently Chris's fan base has come to his rescue. I sent my cronies after you. Yes, apparently. Uh, they basically emailed a cease and desist letter due to the ridiculously difficult questions that I've been pummeling you with. Uh, I did see the letter. Thanks for sharing that. As a result of this, I will give the impression of making the questions easier uh, <laughs> in order to avoid alienating all of our listeners, both of them. Uh, maybe. I have a reputation yeah. uphold here. So. Uh, clearly. Okay. So I have this week's question ready to roll here. And uh, we'll go ahead with that. Um, keeping in mind the feedback that we recently received. 
So, Chris, uh, what is the shape of the panel knockout for the AKCC 210? This is multiple choice. Do I go C right off the bat? Or? <laughs> you may, as long as it's the correct answer. <laughs> we, what that, is the a, shape of the panel knockout for the AKCC 210? Let's go rectangle. Very good, Chris. I'm impressed. Yes. Your fans will be equally pleased, uh, hopefully anyway. All right. So having done that, let's get to some listener mail, shall we? Let's do it. Yes. We're still getting uh, a couple questions here and there in the old mailbox along with some spam. So uh, yeah, all easy to deal with. So today's is Dear Controller Talk Podcast. Adobe Flash was used in your RMT software to simulate database files in the newer controllers, but that software went bye-bye at the end of 2020. Yeah. Now what do I do if I want to simulate a database? And that came from Wally in Wappinger Falls, New York. Good old Wally. Name rings a bell. He's always good for a question. Yeah. So do you want to take this one? Sure. Um, so yeah, Adobe put us in a tough spot at the end, the end of the year prior here, like you just said. Um, so I, the good thing is we have a workaround, right? It's not a, you just can't right. do anything in RMT anymore. Just give up and go home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good luck to you. Uh, so it's, it's just an extra step. So, I mean, you, you, if you're doing an offline simulation, you still start it off the same way where you open up the RMT software, you choose offline programming, you open up your database, you, you select your database from the, the list there, and you kind of start your simulation. And then the software will go to another screen that now is going to be blank for you, but you do get a little address up at the top, uh, HTTP localhost 8080. I'm going off the top of my head here. Very good, yes. yes. Um, but yeah, so you'll get this little uh, piece up at the top of that, that URL bar, and you just want to copy that. And then you want to open your StoreView desktop software, which is what you'd normally use to connect to, connect to a live store. Um, you paste that right into the address field of StoreView desktop and connect, and it'll prompt you for your username and password, and you're in there just like you would have been in RMT. Right, right. You'll be able to save the file, everything. Yep, yep. So yeah. it's maybe arguably a little bit of a headache that you got to go through that extra step. But again, we can still support the offline simulations, which makes life easier than needing to worry about having a live unit there with you if you want to do any programming. Right, right. Okay. All right. So if you'd like to drop us an email with a suggestion for topics to cover, a question, comment, you can always email us at ControllerTalkNorthAmerica at DanFoss.com. So, Chris, we have some news about our next three episodes. We are going to branch out just temporarily into a short series of interviews we're calling Catching Up With, where we'll interview three people that are pretty well known in the supermarket energy management circles, at least east of the Mississippi. Um, do you think we should divulge the names of these three people that uh, made it to the short list? I mean, that's a great reason not to to bring them back in <laughs> when we do the call, but yes. I'll let you make that I don't call. Know. I, think, I think we should. So we're either going to gain listeners or lose them immediately. <laughs> but uh, these guys are all pretty well known and they're either retired or on the verge of retirement. But uh, the ones that we're going to talk to this time around are Ken Roberts, Mike Selston, everyone's favorite Cajun, and Larry Herman. So, yes. A lot of expertise between those three names. That is true. So, yeah, that'll be the next three episodes. We'll see how that goes. It should be fun. Yep. 
So thanks for listening. Our studio and video engineers are Michael, don't call me Mike, Beckerman, and Jordan, the man Larson. Our audio engineer is that international man of mystery himself, Raul Garcia. Until next time, for Chris Brown, I'm Dave Yoder. Stay cool. Stay cool.